Welcome to Synthaholics. This is your host, David Duncan, and with me is Guy Davis. Hello! Hey, it's been a long time. It really has. <laughs> it really, really has. It's been well over a year at this point. Um, but yeah, welcome. Yeah, I figured I just scared you off last time. <laughs> oh, we also took like a six-month hiatus, and then we got back with a new co-host, and he doesn't know about Star Trek. And speaking of Brian, last episode we told you we'd be covering sonic 2 this week well brian is not here so sonic 2 we are not doing uh we'll we'll probably be doing it next time but uh (laughs) i didn't i didn't know that had you seen sonic 2 uh, guy (laughs) no i I haven't seen sonic 2 so i i'm kind of glad that we're not talking (laughs) about it because i i don't know i wouldn't be able to help you it just just works out that way yeah so so uh we'll be getting to sonic 2 next time when when brian's with us he was having to go to Florida, but then he didn't go to Florida, but he still is unavailable. So, uh, that's complicated. We're, we're doing, we're doing a first of a, a new series, I suppose we could call it, call it uh fandom wars today. Our fandom war is going to be about star Trek and, you know, maybe in the future we could do a DC versus Marvel or a star Wars one because all these fandoms, uh, the more years that go by, the more divisive they seem to get. Right. So that's that's kind of like our our thoughts on on the topic. So like, you know, whenever we don't have a specific thing like a season of TV or movie to talk about, we could just like spitball pop culture stuff. And right. uh guys, for those of you who are new to the show since episode 301 and don't know who Guy is, Guy uh is a big Star Trek fan. He does his own podcast, The Rocky Mountain Geek Tank, and he is an artist. He does his own comics. He did a Star Trek comic uh, for a while, and he's pivoted to his own sci-fi universe. Yeah, yeah. When my my dad said, "Hey, you, you know, you can't make any money off of that," <laughs> I was like, "What do you mean, Dad? I don't want to talk about it." <laughs> so, um, but yeah, and I'm out in Denver, Colorado. I guess kind of, which is having lovely weather today. Just kind of looking out there and going, Ooh, "It's kind of nice out there." So, I don't know what what's the weather like where you are. I always like to ask these questions when we're all. Well, yeah. it's it's cold and cloudy. It was un- it was uncomfortably warm to sleep uh, on Tuesday. Now yeah. it's cold, so you know. I've already put my air conditioning unit in my window, so I mean, I'm just <laughs> on Tuesday. I was fixing to, but uh, it got, yeah. got got cold on its own. So that'll be yeah. that'll be how, how it goes uh, soon. So uh, to extend on to this, uh, and uh, for those of you who have not actually been part of the show since. I've been on numerous times. Uh, I've been, uh, I, I am two days younger than Will Wheaton. And so, um, and like literally, so I, and I have been a Trekkie since I was, I don't know, five years old, six years old, well, something is, like that. Your, your birthday is too close to Will Wheaton's. That's why they didn't invite you on the card season three. Right. <laughs> I, but, but part of the joke has always been that when next gen came out, I was sitting there watching it going, hey, wait a minute, I could, I'm 14, why am I not on the bridge of the Enterprise? You know? Did you did you know Will Wheaton's birthday when you were watching Next Gen? No, he was 14 and I was 14. Oh, so, oh no, you knew he was 14, okay. Yeah, because he said he was 
14 in an interview in Starlog or something. There was something along the lines there. Or, well, okay, so my mom was a talent agent. So I, I think either she told me something, you know, because she could find that information. In the 80s, it was hard to find this information unless you were in the industry. And my mom was in the industry. So wasn't as hard, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, I'm a long, long-lived Trekkie now. And, and I've been in it since since the 70s. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, it's it's one of those things where I kind of have watched all these evolutions. And that brings us to why we're having this discussion today. Oh, yeah. Star Trek is a mess. <laughs> right? And <clears throat> I'm sorry, I'm also getting over Concrud because I just went to my first convention since COVID started and caught Concrud. And it's just a head cold. It luckily wasn't COVID, but I did catch Concrud. Can't escape the Concrud. Man. And I'm like sitting there going, that's all right. If I get Concrud, no, it's been two weeks and I'm still hacking and coughing and I hate head colds and I hate them. And it just made my sinuses screwed up. And uh, it's because we're no longer spring chickens. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the health podcast today. We're talking about right, the health podcast. <laughs> we talk about how we're old and we creaky. I okay. went my prostate exam yesterday. It was glorious. Like Galron says. No, I didn't. Um, <clears throat> glory to you. Glory. Oh, prostate. Yeah. Yeah. Glory to you and your prostate house. <laughs> so okay so let's talk about this we're talking about star trek is a mess or at least uh that's that's david's stance my, my stance my, is my take I don't on it. Think so. so yeah I, and I, I actually have counter arguments here that i wish to make so well, so but, well, like, but like, I, i'll let you go first well okay like First, like, first, first of all, like just just on on a on a purely emotional level, has any one episode of Picard, Discovery, or Lower Decks come remotely close to giving you any kind of feels where you'd like tear up for a character? Because this happens to me regularly on TNG or DS Nine or one of the other things, and I, I feel absolutely nothing watching these episodes from an emotional standpoint where they've done such a good job writing, making me care about these characters and discovery. So, everyone's crying all the time to make you want to cry. And that's what it seems like to me, but I don't, cause I don't care. They haven't written these characters to a point where I even want to care. Well, I love Jet Reno. Um, oh, I love Jet Reno too, but I mean, she's only in like five minutes a season. So yeah, but I mean, I'm, but uh, let's see here. So to answer your question, I'm, <sighs> So I, while we're at it, let me explain <laughs> that I've been doing a TNG rewatch, and I started at episode one with my wife, and the only episode we've skipped is Conspiracy because it was too, I, it's too gory for her. Um, well, that's so, not an episode that makes me cry, but it's a good episode. It's a really good episode. Well, no, no, I'm just, I'm just saying, I'm now thinking with the pause here is me going. Did I care about anybody in first and second season? Because like now on the rewatch, I'm actually kind of liking Pulaski, and I absolutely despised her in 1988. Um, you know, and I really haven't watched first and second season probably since the 90s, give or take. Mm. You know what I mean? 
So, because it was so horrible. It was terrible. It was the worst thing ever. It was just terrible, terrible. The first two seasons um, of pretty much all Star Trek are terrible. Next Gen, rough. DS9, yeah. Voyager. Take They're it. all bad. I mean, except, um, for, except for Enterprise. Enterprise only had four seasons. Up second season. Yeah, you're and, right. Because we and, had Carbon Creek and certain episodes like that that were pretty decent. And season one wasn't even that bad. Compared yeah. to compared to next gen or or DS nine, yeah, actually, or, or, or Voyager. I mean, but, but but I'm sitting here thinking, okay, so how many episodes in before I started to actually genuinely care? And I'm going to have to say it was probably best of both worlds. So we have to remember that, relatively speaking, best of both worlds was episodes sixty seven and sixty eight. And we aren't at 67 or 68 of Discovery yet. And we're nowhere near 67 or 68 of Picard. But, we're certainly nowhere near 67 or 68 in Lower Decks. But the, um, the, the, the thing is, though, there are episodes that have characters we've never met before. Like Lower Decks. Speaking of Lower Decks, the TNG episode of Lower Decks, pretty much an entirely new cast comes on for that show. And that episode moves me considerably. Also, Luxana sure. Troy is not on that many episodes, and we just watched the episode where, like, her daughter. But I love Mary Mud. And I mean, I love Mary Mud. Like, Magic to Make the Sanest Man, I felt was amazing. It was a great episode. It was a great episode of Star Trek. It was the and only. Even... It was the only standalone episode of any of the new series. <laughs> oh, I wouldn't say that. I actually thought that it's, uh, it's Monsters a... was really good. Um, and James Calais did an amazing job of bending. By the way, spoilers for Picard. Well, we're going to do spoilers uh, for every single Star Trek ever. No- nothing is right. safe on Synthaholic. If you are caught up to <laughs> literally last <Everything>. Thursday. <laughs> I haven't because. seen Monsters yet, but I, ha- I, do, I have seen a clip from Monsters, <laughs> which, which made right. me extremely angry. Um, you saw what? I, I haven't seen Monsters yet, but I have seen a clip from Monsters, which made me extremely angry. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't judge it. So, I have to. It's where it's where Picard's father says, "At least I kept my hair." Um, well, right. did we? Did you watch Tapestry? Because you were very bald in Tapestry. Like, if they would have just not put that line in about the hair, it's an earlier version of Picard's father where he didn't go bald yet. But it seems like this is like wrong, <laughs> factually inaccurate. I don't know. I, so it wouldn't be so funny, except to me that was particularly funny because, well, funny and bittersweet. There was a moment I went gray in my twenties, and I remember sitting around my grandmother's table with my dad, and my dad just kind of looked over at me and he goes. When did I have a son that has gray hair like that? I mean, that was just like yeah. his left left hook out of nowhere. And my dad was a sweet guy. I mean, like he wasn't a mean man. He it wasn't intentional. He wasn't trying to be mean. But yeah, when that line came up, I was like, yeah, my dad would have said the same thing. You know, it's just like I know because my dad did say the same thing. I haven't gone bald yet. But I definitely went gray at 28 or 27, something like that. So, and I went almost all gray. I've been gray more years than I haven't now. Yeah, in my life. 
Um, and that's just the nature of, of it. But my dad had to make a, a snark about it. And what was so funny is at the time that he made that, his hair was kind of like yours with just a little bit of gray. Like he was a very dark haired guy. I was a blonde. Yeah. So it didn't really change much when, I, when my hair went gray. But he was dark, black, black hair. And so he had just these streaks that looked so nice of mm-hmm. gray. It only took another, oh, I don't know, five, ten years, and he was silver like me. And I was like, yep. So there. <laughs> there, there it goes. There it goes, little silver. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I guess that one didn't bother me, but only because my dad looked legitimately said something extraordinarily similar to me well it's, and not, it's not that he said that it's, like, it's the fact that we know he doesn't keep his hair until he dies <laughs> so my it's in my memory that moment stands out to me even though my dad went silver too i mean it it still stands out in my memory because he was being snarky and stupid and you know my dad had moments everybody has moments we're all human so I yeah, I just I don't uh, know why it bothers you. I guess I'm not reading that the same way as you did. I don't know. Oh, it's just a, fine. it's it's a it's a <sighs> he's seeing his old older son, and Picard could have been like, "You went bald." I still I've seen you gone bald. Like, I, but I mean, like, if they didn't throw that line in, it would have been fine, I guess, if it's just a different interpretation of his father. I mean, James Callis is a glorious head of hair, but it doesn't mean Picard's dad had a glorious head of hair. No. I mean, you know, we've got a lot of, and, and the and actor we know who he did, and we know he didn't. Long since dead. Well, so, I, I, I know you I mean, can't bring back the same actor, but you can find someone who kind of looks like him. He didn't look all that special. I'm sure there's lots of crotchety old men that kind of look like him. Probably, I, I mean, would like play that part. <laughs> you shave the middle of your head to be look, look like Picard. Shave the of your head. <laughs> hey, Star Trek, I'd have done it. <laughs> <laughs> On Star Trek, yeah, yeah, we'll get the razor. Yeah, yeah, I'll do it. Yeah, sure, whatever. Yeah. But yeah, James Callis. I mean, I, I love James Callis. I just wish he would have got a different part other than Picard's father. I love Baltar from Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, well, what's so funny is that episode started, and my wife sitting next to me, she was like, "It is that Bashir?" And I'm like, "No, that's Baltar." And she's like, "Oh, like." I don't trust him. You know, like instantly. <laughs> that was awesome. Mostly because the episode is brilliantly set up. That episode's really well done. And it um I haven't they, seen it yet, but I'm I'm worried about it honestly because uh, I, Picard I mean, I is a Sung type robot. Why does he have why is any of his organs robot any more than seven of nines a Borg? Yes he is. No, they're humans. No, he's not. I mean, well, I guess really we haven't confirmed. It. We have confirmed it. Q said you have the synthetic body in this universe because of Golducat. Second episode. Oh, that's right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Okay. So, like, have- there is no way 20, 20th century medicine should be able to read anything about him. Even in TNG, they gave up sending data to, to, to Beverly, and it was just Jordy doing maintenance on him. Like, this is, like, absolutely stupid. <laughs> like, that's my problem with new Star- with a lot of the new Star Trek, is they just do, like, just some of the dumbest things. Like, Picard should have crumpled Soong's car by Soong running into him. Like, if, if he's, like, built like Data or strong, strong... I mean, like, 
question. Yeah. That, that was actually specifically said in the what? end of season. Um, so, okay. I wanted to make a case for the fact that I think everybody has, there's a certain uh, group of us that will always not like the newest shows. Um, and it, I know this because I was in that group. So I absolutely despised TNG. Um, and in fact, there are uh, episodes of TNG that in the 90s, I went back and I'm like, I don't even remember this episode, you know, because like I hadn't seen them. I just stopped watching. Um, one of my favorite stories was that my mom used to call me when TV shows were doing weird things that she didn't understand as a person who was a producer and a talent agent. And she was often on set and she was often in movies. She got fascinated in the nineties when technology started to get wild and woolly and got really strange. And so she would often call me. Uh, and ask me, how in the world did they do that? Uh, what was the the episode where Riker was accused of murder? And it was that they they recreated the entire scene the holodeck. on the holiday. Yeah. That was and a good he episode. Find himself. That was a great. Was like, <laughs> well, that was a great episode using the holodeck. I wish it they would have. I wish they would use the holodeck more, more creatively often. like that instead of yeah. like, oh, it's gone wrong. It's taken over the ship. Yeah, yeah, but uh, the I one of my my I had stopped watching DS Nine, just completely stopped watching DS Nine. I was like, I'm over it. And then one day, my mom calls and goes, "How did they do that?" And I'm like, "How did they do what, mom?" And she goes, "Wait a minute, you're not watching Star Trek? Can I write this down?" And I'm like, well, "Okay, yeah, yeah, go ahead, make fun, make fun. Okay, now what are you talking about?" And she's like, "I just saw." Cisco and Dax walking behind Kirk and Spock. How did that happen? And she was watching Trials and Tribulations. That's a fourth season episode. <laughs> Given up in second season. Well, second season, to be fair, wasn't very good. We've, we've established that the first couple seasons horrible. were, were not the great. Point, the point that I was getting at was I hadn't even watched third season DS9. Or even fourth season DS9. You know what I mean? Like I had I and then I went back to watch Trials and Tribulations to see what the heck mom was talking about and started watching from there on and then had to go back and backfill. Um but but because I because I love you so much, I have gone and found posts from the nineties and from two thousand, and I'm going to read some of them. Right? <laughs> So this is from December 3rd, 1990. Um, and it was somebody posting out there and says, here in the UK, we finally got to see Justice, the episode in which some people thought it would be banned because there were half-naked people. A matter of fact, I'm fairly sure that one woman sitting by what looked like a swimming pool was more than half-naked. Just in case someone is even further behind schedule than the UK, spoilers for Justice follow. I'm going to give you spoilers now for literally a season one episode. Oh, my God. I think the episode should be banned because of the disappointment it caused. Wesley was condemned to death, and they didn't carry out the sentence. What I found puzzling was Picard's frequent reference to the Prime, Directli Prime Directive as an excuse not to save Wesley. 
The Prime Directive is is the one which says they aren't supposed to mess around with non-star-faring cultures, isn't it? Which means the Prime Directive was violated the moment someone beamed down. It was violated even more when the beamed up to identify the alien ship. Was Pop Picard simply trying to find a way to get rid of Wesley? Well, so. um, th- that's completely right. I mean, there's, 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 really right. there's, 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 there's a horrible, cringy episode. Yeah, I, I'm not saying there weren't horrible, cringy episodes in, in all of Star Trek, but no. the thing is, there's fewer episodes now, so they have fewer episodes to shine, and they have even more cringy episodes. But you like unification, right? Unification yeah, more. Sure. For the most part, unification, this is 1991, unification was just plain cheese. I mean, TNG writers had an opportunity to make really impressive shows using the Spock crossover. One would think that some kind of extra effort would be made to make sure that these shows were really good. But it just didn't happen. There were just plain too many cheesy scenes in these shows to let them really be good. For example, a whole scene with a fat Ferengi. This scene is part of a supposedly important plot point. And what what it comes down to is that Riker gets the information he needs by manhandling this person. Not a very original or interesting cheesy. The scene in which Pardek is revealed to be the traitor. This scene doesn't even make sense. From all the character descriptions of Pardek that we've gotten, there is just no way I would believe that he'd be a traitor. It doesn't gain anything through it, and it's so so. And he had so much to gain from unification. Also, the acting in the scene was really bad. Pardek's attempt to cover himself seemed really fake, cheesy. The explosion of the ship in the junkyard reminded me of a cheesy '70s action movie in which car crashes and everyone runs away screaming, "She's gonna blow!" It seems like the writers just figured that since they were going to have Spock, they didn't need to come up with a quality script. This is too bad, because I was really hoping these shows would lift TNG out of a slumping season. I guess not. The only good points from these episodes comes from humorous scenes, i.e. Picard trying to sleep, Worf singing, etc. While these scenes were indeed good, you don't need to watch Star Trek to see humor. Most people watch Star Trek for its quality, unique qualities. Sorry, unique qualities. And humor can be found at most sitcoms. So there you go. Somebody from 1991. Oh. Again, he's he's not he's not particularly he's not wrong. I mean, there's lots of issues with the unification because the the Riker subplot didn't do anything for the plot really at yeah. all. It was filler, and and TNG had a really bad problem with that, where their B plots were just thrown in there. Actually, some DS9 B plots were just thrown in there for no reason. And then in the episode where Odo marries Loxana, that was the B plot, and it was better than the A plot. So I mean, right. like. So you've got there's always been weird stuff, but again, like with with the with the old school Star Trek, there are so many more episodes per season, so they can do more throwaway episodes. I, right, for for, for a shorter season, the quality should be higher than it is. Well, I well, first of all, we are giving very little slack for them being really under horrible restrictions for COVID. So even though I do grant, even before COVID, it wasn't. <laughs> Well, but Granted, that's you're, you're on your so, first two seasons, but if you're talking about like one of the biggest ongoing complaints that I have have heard is about Discovery not developing its secondary characters. They actually apparently have a standing rule to not do that. I don't know what that's about. I have heard rumors of it, but that could be also the people who doom wish on 
on Discovery, you know, just trying to find some good reason to hate on it. Um, but if you think about Discovery and then say, well, they haven't developed any of the other characters, well, that's also not fair in the same token. Because when you do have 26 episodes a season, you can waste 20 minutes on Wesley's coffee dis- selection choices. Whereas when you have 10 episodes a season, you can't. So you have to judge that one on how many episodes we've had so far, which is only 46. And 46 episodes puts it at the end of season two of TNG. So how much character development... But the thing, but the thing is, it's, not, it's never going to reach the number of episodes of TNG. Mm-hmm. With short seasons, it will, it will, never, it will never get there. So, so you're saying we're going to have a whole run of a show where only the last episode is good? And and, no, it, and and it won't be because we we'll see that's the Discovery's so, had a notorious problem ending its ending its seasons. Their last episodes have always been atrociously bad, uh, even for even for them. You're going down again. No. Watch the helicopter blade. Watch the helicopter blade. Is it moving? It it does it does stutter sometimes. Yeah. Um. So I missed part of what you were saying there because you started. Oh, so so. So what what I was saying I was I was just saying like I was like is the last episode going to be the only good is the, is the season is the series finale going to be the only good episode because by the time they finally got caught up to TNG numbers where TNG got good is that's going to be about when the show's over and that can't even be because Discovery has been notoriously bad and Picard too the first season of Picard's last episode was also atrocious they're they've been really really bad. But 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 I'm trying to make a case here that that we as Trekkies judge things based on a preconceived notion. So, for example, um, the reason I hated TNG was because it wasn't toss. I remember specifically calling the Enterprise D a duck. I mean, because I, it looked duck. a lot of people were like that back in the day. I don't dislike Discovery because it's not something else. I dislike it on its own merits. But that's what I'm saying. I didn't say that in 1987. But you thought. I said, I, 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 right. But I mean, looking back on it now with 40 years of experience, yeah. I realized that's what I was doing. Back then, no, the writing was terrible. The sets were terrible. The uniforms were terrible. You know what I mean? Like, for me, I was saying literally the same things that people are saying today about Discovery and Picard. Mm -hmm. To boot, as an experiment, I intentionally decided at the Kelvin movies that I wasn't, because I actually kind of got mad. Enterprise... Enterprise should have been a cool thing, and it wasn't for me. I, I actually felt like I cheated myself out of Enterprise um, because I got bitter and angry because they had built already sort of what had occurred between, you know, first contact-ish, give or take, and, to, and, and today, the 23rd century or yeah. 22nd century. And... Enterprise came into the middle of that and said, yeah, no, whatever, no Romulan, come on, you know, even though that's canonical. And, oh, yeah, whatever, you know, ships ships can go warp five, yeah, whatever, you know what I mean? Like, all the stuff that we kind of alluded to in Toss, 
they just threw out. And I got so aggravated at them screwing up Canon that I felt like I cheated myself out of Enterprise. I spent the entire run of Enterprise railing against Enterprise, um, hating every last bit of it. Now I look back on Enterprise and watch it as sort of a comfort food. Were you were you uh, watching it? Were you watching it, or you just did yeah, it? I was yeah. every episode and hating every episode and posting online about my. In fact, I came across some of my posts while I was out there hunting around for 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 fodder for this episode. Yeah. I, I came across some of my own posts and went, "Well, that's shameful." I'm not going to even tell you what my username was back then because I'm not and a tiny because they're so terrible. Yeah, <sighs> but it's it's one of those things where my theory here, my theory here is that it, this is nothing bad against anybody. My theory, because I was the same one, I was literally the same one. But when Discovery came up, well, first of all, the Kelvin timeline came up, and as we have Star Trek again, because, of course, they canceled Star Trek in 05, and Berman was sitting there saying, it's fatigue. You guys are obviously tired of this series, and you're tired of this franchise, and so we're done. We're out. And I was like, yeah, yeah, wait a minute. What did I just do? You know what I mean? Like, so then... After 05, I'm like sitting there going, well, we killed Star Trek. Good job, us. You know. And then Bad Robot came along and said, we're going to pick up Star Trek. And we already started with J.J. Abrams doesn't like Star Trek. He's never watched Star Trek. He hates it. And I'm like, oh, God. You know, because I'm sitting there going, this isn't going to be good. This is not going to be good. And I said, well, I could rail against this or I could legitimately say, I'm going to take a deep breath and go in this with as open an attitude as I can, knowing that it probably will not be my favorite Star Trek, and that's okay. That's okay. We have Star Trek again, and now I've seen what it's like to not have Star Trek. And I mean, really, if you think about it, from 1987, when I was 14 years old, until 2005, when I was past 30, yeah, I had Star Trek every week, or most days. You know what I mean? Like it was a yeah. Star Trek series in operation. I was going to conventions, which, by the way, the local Denver convention is finally closing its doors this year, which is really sad. The one that actually got me into into conventions. Um, yeah, I was going to conventions. We were talking about new episodes when I I literally watched the birth of the Internet as the World Wide Web yeah. by being with the other Trekkies, talking to them about this week's episode. I mean, literally was there for talking about Star Trek with the other Trekkies. Yeah. So to watch it go away in 05 was heart-wrenching. I was like, it was a, it was a gap. It was a, an empty spot. There was nothing there anymore. And that was horrible. And so when 09 came around, I was like, okay, I'm going to watch this. And I'm going to try desperately not to get mad at what, which was so funny because I remember saying, I'm not going to get mad about the Klingons because we were so mad at the Klingons in Star Trek one because they changed the Klingons and screwed them up in Star Trek one. And we were even madder about the TNG version because they took what were kind of like noble, you know, kind of imperialistic uh, bad guys and turned them into smelly barbarians. Dummies. Dummies. 
Yeah, dumb, smelly barbarians. And so we hated the Klingons from TNG, um, which is so funny because everybody's like, why can't we have Klingons like we did in TNG? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, we literally hated the Klingons. We hated them. We I, railed against them. I, lo- I loved TNG Klingons. Although I was a child going from TOS to TNG, so I loved the Klingons. Mm-hmm. I was a teenager and hated everything because I was a teenager. So there's that. Yeah, I was um, I was like six or seven. I, I was eating Cheerios and collecting the the proof of purchase so I can get my metal Enterprise D with the saucer separation. The All I got was the stickers. No, I got <laughs> I got the cool diecast. We, we had enough to get two of them. We ate a lot of Cheerios. We got two of the diecast metal Enterprises. They were great. Um, oh wait 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 wait. Are we talking about? Are we talking about this guy right now? Maybe. Are we talking about this guy? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I had two of those. I, I had two of those when I was a kid. Yeah, I, they broke. I got one. Oh, yeah. I, I have zero now. They broke. There's a little plastic tab here. Yeah. And I had a friend come over like three weeks ago. And he's like, yank, 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 toll. And I'm like, Jesus, man, don't do that. That thing is freaking ancient. Yeah, it's old. It's old. I was a I wee know. lad when they made those things. Yeah, and now it's a little loose. It hasn't been loose until he did that, and I'm like, thanks. Yeah, the the, the two metal clips that hung onto it broke when I was a kid. I, I took it apart too many times, probably. Yeah, the plastic tab was the first thing. To, it's already loose on that one. Yeah. I may have to print a new plastic tab. We'll have to see. But anyway, but, the, but kind of the, going... the long and the short of this whole thing... Go ahead. Oh, wait, wait, oh, I was going to say, the long and the short of this was, I went into 09... And it wasn't bad. I mean, I, I had moments of, okay, so he's watching Vulcan blow up from a planet that's literally light years away. But okay, okay I'll, I'll just roll with this. And it, it wasn't literally light years away. It was, it was within the same solar system because the planet was so big. It- <laughs> well, it just, that's what I was saying. I was like, Delta Vega is literally somewhere else. Well, it's it was it had to be a different Delta Vega because it looked nothing like Delta Vega that we knew. Right. Yeah. Well, that, that so anyway, the point I wasn't trying to get to was to make, you know, going ahead and start nitpicking 09. Um and we don't talk about that middle movie because even even my cheery disposition didn't make that middle movie survive. Um but I didn't mind Beyond. Beyond wasn't bad. Beyond was the it best was, of the three, honestly. I, I I actually like O nine and I like Beyond. Um, I like I, Beyond I, a whole lot more than I like O nine. I didn't hate Into Darkness, but I also completely read a scene by scene breakdown before seeing the movie, so I could just let the movie wash over me, and I already knew everything that was going to happen, so I didn't have anything to get mad about because I, I spoiled it for myself. And that's you know, that's that's me a lot. I think that's called I, uh, the I I was on a forum with Bob Orkey, and he was swearing up and down they were not bringing back Khan. And they, I mean, they, he- they all were, and, and it was the dumbest thing. Like, J.J. Abrams' mystery box, it, which, is, which is a problem with Kurtzman, too. Kurtzman adopts that mystery box thing, which is also why the seasons were so bad. Like, the, the, the Kelpian screaming, blowing up the dilithium. Like, come on. Like it was like that was the whole mystery box thing. There were so many in canon things they could have used 
as the burn, but no, they had to do this thing out of left field for whatever reason. I don't know. I mean, honestly, I when I mean, they do critical things, people start to get upset about it too. So I, I don't know. I mean, like I mean, the card, the Omega you, particle was stupid in Voyager, but I would have preferred the burn be up to the Omega particle because at least there's some kind of it was a dumb reason, but it's not as dumb as Kelpian screaming, right? Uh, uh, we could have had all kinds of stuff. I mean, there are there are definitely. I mean, by the way, even though I am definitely a fan of Discovery, Picard, Lower Decks. Doesn't I, mean I don't I like wish lower it. decks. I like lower decks a lot, except when they throw in. There's a couple where times where they've kind of like, like when they mention Section Thirty One in the season one. I'm like, they should know. They're in the era when no one knows about Section Thirty One. I mean, theoretically, <laughs> no era should know about Section Thirty One. But <laughs> well, no, they they were after Deep Space Nine. So, so I mean, like, it, I mean, I guess, but I mean, like. How would you know a, a, a Section 31 swagger? I mean, like, they were still secret enough that nobody knew about them. You know what I mean? Like, Bashir could have told, but I mean, like, was Bashir, like, going out and walking like Sloan? I mean, like, I, I doubt it. No, but it was a cute line. Uh, well, and there, there are a lot of things that I've noticed that... So, there's... I'm of two minds of things. First of all, like, because there's the infamous, if Guinan doesn't know about Card, oh then God. how know about Spock, right? Argument. And the showrunner has come on, and first of all, that showrunner that's running the show, Terry Metzis, Uh I can't remember. He actually is a hardcore, old-school Trekkie. So, he's like Manny Cotto, who came in and rescued fourth season of of Enterprise. Um, He's making references to Toss, he's making references to TNG, he's making references all over the place, which is great. Um, it, and it's it's like uh, Mike Mike McMahon, who's definitely a Trekkie oh, of yeah. uh, essence uh, of epic. Uh, listening to the uh, Pod Collective um, is a funny thing because it's 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 um, it's it's run by uh, uh, Tawny Newsom. And so she talks all the time about how she's a Trekkie and Mike's a Trekkie, but like uh, um, Boimler, Boimler, Jack, Jack Quaid. Jack Quaid is not. He's not a Trekkie. He doesn't know anything about this. He's open to it, yeah, but he has no clue what the hell he's talking about. And so it's they're always constantly like, no, 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 you don't understand. Okay, so there was once this time where Picard had to do this thing, and they have to like give him this entire story so that he understands the one joke he just fired off. Because he's got no clue. <laughs> Mike and Tani are always constantly telling him all about the backstory behind what this joke meant. What this joke is, and yeah. It's, it's, it, that's hysterical. They actually had Jack on the pod collective, and he's like, I wouldn't know anything if it wasn't for you two. It's so great having you two there because you guys like explain the whole thing and you know, like I get all the backstory. I understand what's going on. I understand why Boimler's doing what he's doing, and yeah. it's great listening to that stuff. That's why I, I like. Uh, I love Ready. Lower Decks. It's the only, <laughs> even though it's a weird, odd comedy, it's the only Star Trek show that still has a feeling of Star Trek in it. And they're shorter yeah. episodes, and they're doing more character development with other characters than Discovery is doing. Right. Well, Discovery is tackling a different 
Discovery is moving in a different way. Although they've been hinting that the next season they're going to move more towards Strange New Worlds, Lower Decks, and have more encapsulated episodes. There's so much storytelling and fun stories they could do with the Spore Drive. Let's go back to the Delta Quadrant. Let's go see what the founders are up to and, and you know, the Gamma Quadrant. They could do anything they want to with this, and they're doing the worst things possible. I, I, I Well, that was what I was going to say. The, the thing that really bothered me, if you want to talk about things that bothered me, was them dropping the Spore Drive was killing the aliens that were in the Mycelial Network storyline. Oh. That was from a sw- The writer's room swapped out. Um, and that, by the way, has plagued every show. Um, and in fact, that's my theory of why Star Trek sucks for its first two seasons. Well, yeah, the first because- season had a three writer's room changeover, and the second mm-hmm. one had at least two. Right. Well, that's what I'm saying is like uh, what, what happens is the suits are watching very carefully during the first and second season. And so when they do, they like, you know, oh, the Trekkies hate this. Fire everybody. Start over. Oh, the Trekkies hate it. Fire everybody. Start over. You know what I mean? Like they do that. They did that in TNG. If you, if you, I mean, especially if you watch that weird documentary that Bill Shatner made, the, Captain, whatever, came from the, the bridge. No, the Chaos and the Bridge one. Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, I've seen that one too, yeah. Yeah, well, like, all the weird machinations that were going on, but the writer's room kept getting wiped out. Which is why DS9 and, was the best, because as soon as Voyager came on, the suits turned their heads away. Just ignored the hell out of them. I, yeah, watching I, watching what we left behind, that was so awesome, watching so Ira Bear. <laughs> like, he's like, yo, no, no, we just, they, they just ignored us. It was great. We could do anything we wanted. And I was like, yeah. And it was the best. It was the best because they, they, they did great things. And that's my theory. That's my theory on what happens with Star Trek. As long as it's flagship, as long as it's way out there and everybody's freaked out, you have 62,000 people in suits who have never seen an episode of Star Trek and don't care. All they care about is that they have seen that it's gotten a minus 26 in Rotten Tomatoes. And therefore, everybody gets fired, everybody gets replaced, and the new team comes in, and they're like, do it better or you'll be fired too. And they're like, oh crap, well, we better not do whatever it was that they were doing. But they and keep- so Discovery like, changes pathways like all over the place because of that. But so does Picard in a lot of ways. You well, see the same thing happening with Picard. Picard season one was near unwatchable because there was no consistent story. Every episode was like a side quest. It didn't have anything to do with the main, the main story. It was awful. Season two has been more watchable in the fact that everything's kind of leading up except for like, I haven't seen monsters yet, but Picard being sick from, even though he's an Android. <sighs> You're right. What, I mean, that, I mean, it's it's really dumb, and like they're starting to get off the rails now uh, with that. But but up until this point, it was more or less you know fine. But again, going kind of going back to that, has has any of the episodes made you tear up and cry? Has they made you care from the writing? Oh, yeah. a, a, a second one. A second question onto that is like they and, also and the copy paste spaceships, which definitely made me cry before a different. Yeah, let me cry. Yeah, that that was that was really annoying. But hate that ship. <laughs> the, yeah, I'm I'm riding that ship off forever. I hate that one. Um, I won't even get Eagle Moss. 
It's just <laughs> it's so bad. Well, which one are you gonna get? There was like sixteen variations where they took off like impulse engines and put them on in different places just to make them look a little bit different, kind of. But it was the same ship. They did, some of them didn't that even was, have registries. The first episode with the Stargazer was a definite apology, and they I, were open about it, and they were blatant. It was they beautiful. Were like, everything because we we were sorry. We're sorry about that last they, episode. They, they did it. Be- they did a beautiful. Actually, seeing classic Star Trek ships and a new one, man, that was beautiful. I love how it had like the re- it had the Reliant style like impulse manifolds yeah. on top of the the saucer, which was really cool. I was like, whoa, this got two of them. It, they had Akira classes. She's my favorite ship, man. Yeah, they had they did some yeah. great stuff. But <sighs> anyway, Picard so, is it's so start, my- it's starting to get off the rails now with with, with them like going on this side questy stuff when there's only a couple episodes like we should get more john delancey's q like what's what's going on with that and then they didn't introduce brent spiner's bad guy to the last episode which is like really weird like the pacing is really weird with this show well i think we're gonna find the pacing of all of these shows feels different and strange because it's one episode it's a 10 hour episode and so we're getting uh I, okay so let me back up a second. I've been working, obviously, on my own comics and stuff like that and learning a lot about writing and pacing and how you do like what's called a classic three-act structure, mm-hmm. which is the way that every story has been written effectively since, like, the Greeks. So it's a classic thing. You have, here is the thing that occurs. Then they almost solve it, but, oh, oh something goes wrong. Then they solve it. And that's like the way that we always do every story. Yeah. So when you have it stretched out over 10 episodes, you're going to see impact in like episode one and then nothing until episode five. And that'll be the, uh oh, see in a single episode. It's just, we would see that before the commercial break. Yeah. It's now we're seeing it in episode five which is one of the reasons why it's difficult to do these stories in long form. But DS9 um, did it so well. DS9 told episodic episodes that were still strongly attached to the main story, and they did it nearly flawlessly. I mean, there were some missteps. There were, there, there were some at bad episodes. There were, I have a theory about that one, too. Somewhere since the 90s, people have derided the AB plot thing, and so we've kind of, as a writing format, been trying to move away from A-B plots and move back to just an A plot, which is more like it was in the 50s. I think that's a mistake, personally. But that's a writing style choice. But the thing going- is, the B plot, if they had B plots discovery, they could get us more of the side characters. But that, which that's would exactly be- what I'm saying, is that's how DS9 was better at the long arcs, well, because DS- the long arc is the A plot, and then the B plot would have its three bumps, just like a normal thing. Yeah. And the A plot would start its launch, and it would go two episodes down before you hit the uh-oh moment. But by then, you've gone through five episodes of B plot going all the way through. Yeah, they did a it's, really good job with that in DS. It's sort of cliche to do an A, B plot. The writers today are eschewing that, and they're trying to move away from it, which means that, that they're having a hard time fitting what would be a classic Star Trek story arc back in. 
which is one of the reasons why they're saying they're going to do Strange New Worlds in close episode chops so that they can do the three arc bump in an episode and hold it. I mean, I, but I, that, I hope so. I, that's stylistic. And I think that that's also kind of like, what was it somebody had said? Um, Cause like I'm reading through all of I've got down here on my monitor. I've got all of these old posts, which are hysterical to read now, Yeah, but a, a lot of the complaints that are coming in are, you know, everybody here is um, too weird or they're all too emotional or, you know what I mean? Like, it's so strange. They are really emotional. The Discovery is the most no, unprofessional, about- unprofessional crew in Starfleet history. Like, it, you know, Spock's like, don't hug me in front of the Klingons, Kirk. Like, I mean, right. Star Trek V was bad, but at least they had professionalism in acting like okay. officers. The point that I'm trying to get at, David, is these are people bitching about TNG. They're bitching about Voyager. They're bitching about Deep Space Nine. They're bitching about Enterprise. These aren't these aren't Discovery people here. I picked intentionally gone back and picked posts from the Berman era. But that's that's, that's bizarre that they're that they're they're even considering that. Well, that's what I'm saying. What I'm trying to kind of get at is, I think. Every era, we break barriers, and we're okay as long as we were in that era. But then the next era starts pushing barriers, and you're like, no, wait a minute. Because compared to, like, my grandparents just found modern TV to be completely unwatchable in the 80s. Everybody was just too into emotions and, like, feelings and crap. And I remember them saying that. And I'm like, what? But then you go look at 1950s movies and 1940s movies, and everybody's like, I am robot. I don't give a damn. You know, and like, you know, it was, everybody was closed and everybody was completely, you know, yeah. isolated. And the women would cry and the men would stand there and laugh at them. And, you know, you know, it was like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, culturally speaking, the 40s and the 50s, People just look like robots. I mean, yeah, like, yeah they did. They they all acted acted like robots. Back there were no, there was no real emotion. There was no feeling. There was nothing. So my thought is, you know, everybody talks about how everybody's crying in Discovery. First of all, I find that one to be particularly humorous because we actually, when that started coming out, I started counting the number of times that I saw people cry, and it actually was like we had three times in season four total. For any character ever, and one of them was Book, who died, whose planet exploded. So I sort of give him props for that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I mean, you know, he can cry over his planet blowing up. I'm okay with that. Princess, I cry over Princess Leia blowing. didn't cry over her planet blowing up. No, I she, love the fact she's that a Princess she's Leia a real cried. woman, right? But Luke was all sad because his wizard dude died. Yeah, Luke cries over one person, and uh, Leia cries over the entire planet. But I she, cry over it nobody. wasn't really her planet. She wasn't really born there, so she doesn't really care. It's fine. He wasn't born there. Technically, wasn't her father. Technically, wasn't her people. Yeah, it's fine. I, I don't have to cry about that. <laughs> right. So, I mean, but the point I'm kind of getting at is that's a great example right there from an 80s point of view. We wouldn't have cried over planets blowing up. But realistically, 
I would cry if Earth got blown up. <laughs> I'd probably be pretty bitter about that. Yeah. You know, especially if my mom and dad were still down there somewhere. Or my sister. Or my best friend. You know what I mean? Like, well, that sucked. You know, I mean, like, I'd be pretty bitter. I'd be bitter because I lost you. And we are only, like, you know, we've only known each other for a couple of years. Internet pals. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I'm the same I'm way. Like, but So it's kind of one of those things that it's like, I think what has happened is, in the 80s culture, you're right. Princess Leia didn't so much as shed a tear over losing Alderaan. She was mad. She wanted to, like, kick Darth Vader's butt. And we all thought that was pretty sexy and cool. That was the era that they were pushing. They were trying to show us that women actually could be, like, normal. Normal people. <laughs> you know? Because that was a big deal. Because the yeah. 70s, prior to the 70s, women weren't normal people. They were second you know, and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, and now they're trying to get us back to an even keel because they brought out then Janeway, and Janeway wouldn't cry if you killed her own child in front of her face. And her dog. And her dog. She wouldn't cry. And that, of course, is not even remotely realistic either. That's just as dysfunctional. Just yeah, the Janeway was a weird robot. Right. But they did it because our generation, they they put out these strong women, but then they overcompensated. They pushed too hard. They made it so that the women couldn't be real. They couldn't be real people. They couldn't actually be accessible. If you were in command, you couldn't be, that was inappropriate for you to be crying or upset around anything, you know? And it's like, well, yeah, but that also made her a weird robot. Yeah. You know, it just made her strange. Well, um, it made Seven of Nine a much better character because she actually was a weird robot. Yeah, you and, know? and she was trying to come to grips with with, with humanity, and that was that was great. I I love I love Seven uh, in in Voyager. Not sure how I feel about her, and I like her. In, I, I like in, her now too. In, in Picard, I just I just feel really bad. I just feel really bad for her because she's been shoehorned into a relationship that had zero build up twice now. Chakotay outright hated her guts, and they made them a couple on a Robert Beltran behind-the-scenes dare, whatever. And then Raffi and her don't exchange any sentences except for Raffi handcuffs her before the 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 heist when they go down dressed up as weird people to the planet where Quark has a uh, a, a spinoff bar at. Um, <laughs> I mean, so, I'm not so like, even, that's the that's I'm the only the, time they interact in the entire series, and then they're a couple. Like, why why you keep I, ruining I feel, her that way? You can't even argue with that one. I feel like the poor poor seven has gotten she just gets hitched. She gets she should have been hooked up with the doctor. She should have been she hooked should've. up with the doctor, and Raffi would have been fine had they shared any moments together in the entire season. I mean, like it was it was absolutely nothing, and then they're a couple. Like it, it, it made Which, no sense. I, well, and and watching watching you know behind the scenes stuff and things like that, I, I think a lot of that was more of the actors on set kind of leading that way because like that was a decision between Michelle Hurd and Jerry Ryan, yeah, that occurred somewhere along the line, which was great because unlike. Voyager, at least Jerry Ryan had agency in it. Even if Seven didn't, sure. Jerry Ryan had, had agency in it. Yeah, yeah. Because neither Seven nor Jerry got any kind of agency with Jacote. Yeah. So, 
I and, completely agree. Yeah, and and the thing is, we, we got interrupted by an internet hiccup earlier when we were talking about Guinan, but I kind of wanted to bring this back and then have one other point before before we, we close up for the day, but the Guinan not recognizing Picard thing. Like, do they not understand how time travel works? <laughs> oh, no, actually, uh, Terry was specifically referring to uh, yesterday's Enterprise, <laughs> at which time... At which time, Guinan, what he was saying was, if Guinan wasn't so caught up in herself, she'd be able to sense that something was wrong. But she's caught up in herself right now. This is the thing that she was referring to in Rascals. Sure. When she said she she had a really bad time, and it was a really horrible time, and a nice bald guy pulled her out of it. This is what she's referring to in Rascals. When she talked about that era, she's talking about this. She was so she's so caught up in herself, she can't see that the timelines changed. But, so, but the whereas thing is, in Enterprise C or during when the Enterprise C came through, she could sense it. Yeah. But the timeline changed, and everything changed, and all the stuff that happened didn't happen. For example, there was no skin of evil, so we got Tasha Yar back. Mm-hmm. But we also lost Worf. Yada yada yada. All yeah. those things happened. But the the th- the thing is with um. The the way the time travel should should theoretically work. So they're in the they're in the bad timeline, which is their timeline with a single change made in the past. What Q and the Borg Queen said. There's a single change made that makes the evil timeline happen. So if you go back in time before said thing happens, with the intentions of stopping it, and they will because they're the good guys, and the good guys end up stopping it unless this somehow trails into season three. But theoretically, the season will resolve with them stopping whatever happened. So the evil timeline will never have existed. Right. So they're in their timeline. Because that for them for their timeline to exist, they would have had to come back in time to make their timeline exist. So, well, so, now, so she now, should Terry, so she should have recognized them from the eighteen hundreds. And that's what people that, are. Right, but except that, that that wouldn't have happened because it would have happened. The Times Arrow is an is an affectation of the twenty fourth century. It's not an affectation of the eighteen hundreds. But that that's future, that future is still going to happen because they're there to stop that from happening. The, the the change to the evil universe. That's what I'm saying is that 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 had to have occurred in the 24th century in order for it to have happened in the 19th century. But it it did, and it's going to because they are in their timeline. I believe that Janeway had great comments about what we're discussing right now. She hates the, she hates the temporal she hates the temporal prime directive. <laughs> yeah, it, it, all of them involved needing an analgesic because she needed something for her headache that she was developing for this discussion right here. But it, um, it makes it awesome. makes so much sense. If, if they're preventing the evil timeline from happening, then the twenty fourth century did happen because Picard is alive. Therefore, well, the she would re- remember that. And they shouldn't need to go back, and you, know, you get your killing your own grandfather. But they they had to go back because they came sure. from the the one universe, and they know Q's making the change to make their universe not exist. But if they're before the timeline sh- splits to that evil timeline, and they're going to yeah. stop it, then that other timeline won't happen. The twenty fourth century timeline did happen, therefore Guinan would have met him. And I bring this up because I've seen so many people bring it up online. And so many people are so absolutely mean and vicious to these people who are referencing Time Zero when it seems like the writers haven't seen Time Zero based on Except the way they did. Definitely, and they're refer- referring to Time Zero and Rascals. 
So it's not just Times Arrow. They're they're referencing an episode that most people consider very obscure. I think they're forgetting Times Arrow. I mean, they might be no, referencing Rasputin Times Arrow at all. Um, it because feels like they did. <laughs> I I get that, but but so okay. So have you been reading? I guess you're not following Terry on Twitter. Um, but I, Terry, I'm and not Akiva, super active on Twitter. Yeah, uh, Terry and Akiva have been talking on Twitter. Akiva being the showrunner for all of the new shows. Mm-hmm. So there's Kurtzman, who's the executive producer. Then there's Akiva, who's running all of the shows, that's, sort of as an overview. That's scary because Terry did. is in charge of just Picard. Yeah. So that's the hierarchy of things. Sure. Anyway. Akiva is generally in the writer's room with, with Terry. Um, and they've been talking about how, A, they're having a real problem right now because theoretically World War III has already occurred. Uh-huh. And Khan has left. And Khan had one quarter of the world. And Spock will have known about Khan, but then somehow doesn't know about Khan in Space Seed. And they're having real problems right now, squaring all of these things away because we're literally traveling through that time right now and none of it is happening. So they're having real issues with that. And Akiva's like, we talk about this endlessly, endlessly. In fact, at some point in time, I have to tell people to stop talking because we've gone for four or five hours in circles. So we had said that they had been talking about Time's Arrow and how it affected this. And what they settled on was that it's like yesterday's Enterprise, in that the timeline splits and everything has changed. And until it's fixed, you're in an alternate world where there was no 24th century Picard, and therefore there was nobody in 18th century to talk to Guinan. And therefore, Guinan never met Picard. When they fix it, she will remember him again because that moment occurred and will have a, the timeline will be repaired just like Tasha disappearing. But the timeline's and, not broken yet because Q hasn't done his thing. Well, that's the thing. It's the thing. It's that it hasn't <laughs> happened yet. And they're I, there to stop it from happening. I, I actually believe firmly, and this is speculation, I believe something is wrong with Q. And, um, especially my, my dad said the same thing. Hugh seems off and because he hit Picard. I'm like, no, he just picked stuff up from Cisco. Cisco hit him. And yeah. now, you know, you know Hugh's no, hitting back. Uh, I'm talking about when, uh, John Delancey was on ready room. Yeah. Uh, it was like episode two of ready room. He said this time, this cue is different. And he said, I'm trying to remember all the words. He said something to the effect of this time he's trying to be helpful. He was always but, trying to be helpful. But, but yeah, but he but when he, uh, he's not being mischievous. He said that's the reason why I'm not tolerant of Picard. That's why I'm not putting up with Picard being obstinate. I'm not I don't have time. And he was saying that. That's what he said. He said getting into this queue was different because he's he doesn't have time. He's running out of time. Um and guessing, so guessing that means Q's dying. I don't know if Q's dying. I don't know. I actually, so I'm about to give you a spoiler. I'm sorry, David, but Monsters had a very important key scene, which was vital. 
Okay. And that is Guinan summoned Q and failed. Yeah, that's the he was doing the summoning. She summoned Q. Why was she summoning Q when she did this in TNG? That's she was trying to get rid of him. Is, no, that, no, is, no, that, no. is that an anti-summon? Watch the episode. It doesn't involve her doing the hand thing. Um the hand thing is her sensing Q. That's that's her sensing a Q or warding a Q. I don't know. That's between the two actors, because Whoopi and uh, Igoye, they talked to each other, and I don't know. Anyway, doesn't the long and the short of it is, she said, quote, this is how you summon a Q. And not only did John Delancey not show up, but no other Q showed up. So... I'm guessing, in, the Q, I'm guessing the Qs are dying. I mean, if, if Qs are... Something happened to the Q continuum. And we're, that's part of, I think, what's happening here is something weird has gone on with the Q continuum in general. We saw Q and nothing happened. Nothing happened, yeah. So Qs sputtered out somewhere along the line. Now, it's entirely plausible that Q is about to walk into Guinan's bar in like six episodes going, I had to walk the whole way because I couldn't actually teleport myself. You know, who knows what will happen. But the point is, Guinan said a Q. Not Q. She said a Q. And the whole thing bless you. was about the... Thank you. Um, the whole thing was about Elalurians and the Q having an entire truce set up hundreds of thousands of years ago. And yada, yada, yada. That's why she knows about the Q and knows what's going on. Because the two races actually had a pact. So she was trying to summon any Q and failed. So something's wrong. Something's wrong with the Q. I mean, I'm guessing they're killing them because they had that line in Discovery about they haven't heard from the Q continuance 600 years or whatever. So it's like, Something's going down. They're going to kill the Q. They're killing all my favorite things. Whatever's happening. But my point (laughs) is that all of, I don't think that the incidents that Q is tinkering with, I don't think either he's just fishing and trying to figure out how to fix it, and he thinks that Rene Picard's part of it, or he or Rene Picard is part of the reason why the Q continuum is wiped out, or the Q and and the Q continuum being wiped out is why the Federation got screwed up. You know what I mean? Like I think that there's a there's a chain reaction going on here. And I have a feeling that what Q is trying to do is actually what needs to happen to make the timeline fix. Well, I mean, I guess, I guess we'll see. I hope, hope it'll go, go through that. And just one last thing I wanted to, to, to talk about before we head out is uh, it kind of, it's kind of in tandem with that, fir- with that first thing I brought up at the beginning is has any episode made you cry um, fr- from, from like the emotional storytelling. And you said, no, it's just the ships, right? Oh well, no, no. I did say the last episode did. Oh, monsters the one the, the, the one I haven't seen. Okay, so, so one. No 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 no, 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 no. I'm talking about the last episode of first season, Picard. Okay, saying goodbye. Yeah, that oh. that was very emotional, and it made me upset. I actually really loved Nepenthe, and it was very sad to hear about what happened to Thaddeus, and so that actually. I didn't tear up per se, but I'm not a tear up sort of guy, but I was but, emotionally but, moved. By but, but that's what I mean. Like, emotionally, tear up or emotionally moved. But I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, nothing in the news yeah. show shows have done that. And it, it happens all over the time. Okay. 
Um, An older Star Trek. I was very moved by the first episode of season four for book. I felt for book, mm-hmm. really felt for book. Um, I was not ecstatic with the Deus Ex Machina that occurred in the last episode of, of season four of Discovery. However, it was well telegraphed, so I didn't feel so bad because, <laughs> like, I saw it a mile away. Yeah, my kid didn't catch it because he's like, "Wait, I don't get it." And I was like, "Well, no, no, no. I actually saw this. I know exactly what's going on. They intercepted the transporter beam, so I got that." Yeah, but um, but yeah, but it, uh, as far as like emotionally, like I'm trying to think of all the episodes which have been very emotional in the. Uh, in the newer, the newer series, of course, obviously every episode of Lower Decks makes me laugh. Yeah, well, Lower Decks probably isn't going to be the one. Isn't going to be the one to do it. Um, but it's, yeah, so, it's nothing in Picard or Discovery. Oh, although I've got to say, I'm very concerned about Captain Freeman, and oh. that was well done. I mean, they it, did that really well. They, they did pull. They pulled a. I don't know what the hell's going to happen now. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Funnier is. Mike McMahon talking about that and how he set it up to be like best of both worlds. Sorry. But, but, but the, going into what I was trying to get at beyond is I was saying it goes in tandem as it hasn't made you feel anything. Uh, none of the new Star Trek episodes have really set up the classic Star Trek moral dilemma and let you decide where you fall. Every right. episode is telling you how to feel all the time. And this is bad. And this is why it's bad. They're not, giving the audience a chance to think for themselves. And that's really disappointing. Like they're always just like, this is how it is. Like there's no like ambiguous example of TNG about that. Oh, the, the, uh, the, um, the one that comes to mind actually is an enterprise episode, the cogenitor episode or like, or like, you know, he was doing what he thought was the right thing, what he thought was the right thing, but it kind of wasn't the right thing because it was interfering with their culture. It, it kind of goes into bringing the prime direct. But there's episodes like that where you kind of like think about mm-hmm. it. It's also the episode where Riker gets with the non-gendered person. That's kind of one of those episodes. Yeah, uh, but a, a little bit. You're not talking about every episode. You're you're picking no, out there there, there there are some episodes like that, but they haven't done anything like or you know the 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 the, the face is white black episode. Uh, yeah. I mean, like, you've got episodes where, like, they set up a thing, and uh, the Horta episode. I mean, like, lots of episodes, are, like, they kind of, like, set up a, a dilemma. It's like, is this is this the right thing to, to do? I mean, I'm not saying every episode's got to be like that, but we haven't gotten any of that at all in, in the new Star Trek. There's no, no I'm, there's, the reason I'm giving this look is because I'm actually kind of like, well, no, I can kind of see where you're coming from, but... There's, there's no, uh, like, there's no... They're not letting you think. Like Star Trek usually tries to get you to think at least no, a little bit. Story. I've had a couple of moments where I have been completely floored and spent way too much time pondering and contemplating. I absolutely loved the way that they handled the 10 C. Um, and that was, I mean, just the way that they dealt with the 10 C and making that an entirely new way of communication. That was radical. That made me think. Um, it just made I mean, me think. This is like uh, that movie Arrival. It, it felt like a, it, it felt like it felt like Arrival. What, 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 one of the reasons why for me it was fascinating. Um, but the thing is, they also like came up with the language way too fast. Well, yeah, they have to solve for, it before. For, they, I mean, that, the, that, 
they, they have to push the button at the last second or the warp core explodes. I mean, we have yeah. that. Like, Galaxy they Quest should, I don't know. They should have met the 10C earlier so they had more time to figure out the message or whatever. Like, because I mean, like, the ticking clock would have still worked if they met the 10C earlier because Earth is still on a collision course and they have to figure out the language, but they just did it in episodes instead if of like. There is three. anything that does kind of bother me about the writer's room series. They all really heavily on the clicking, uh, the ticking clock. Um, so much so that like they build artificial ticking clocks just so that they can have ticking. Clocks. It's it's really and annoying, it's, and they waste so much time in the first half in the middle of the series. And we we had that a lot in Toss, and we laid off of it in TNG. Um, but Toss had a lot of, I mean. Like there are a couple of episodes where the chronometer is literally ticking. on the screen. <laughs> so clearly they're laying on the ticking clock a little bit more than I, as a trope. They don't need to do that as much. I don't feel. But every um, single season, it's always like this this clock. But if you watch toss, it's it's one of those things that I bet you you'd find that sixty of the seventy nine episodes have a ticking clock of some sort sure. in them. But I mean, that's um, one episode. It's a, it's to build excitement. Your, your three act structure, but this is a whole long season, and they're doing the same thing every single season. They're overusing that. However, um, I guess my my full feeling is, you know, yeah, I've, I've got some critiques of the new series, but looking at it, I have some critiques of TNG too, and well, I have I, some. I, I, have, I have critiques of everything. I mean, like I, I we've always I've, we've always been fair whenever we talk about Star Trek. We always like we talk about individual episodes. We always point out the dumb, silly stuff. We love talking about McCoy walking Spock around with a thing that had literally six unmarked buttons. Somehow he manages to make Spock sit down and stand up. <laughs> I'm like, you have six unmarked colored buttons. How do you do this? Yeah, I mean, there's there's been dumb, silly stuff in all Star Trek. It's just it just feels <laughs> to me that it's. There's not. It's all of that in the new track, and not enough of the stuff that I always love Star Trek, and that's that's kind of where I'm. Yeah, still, I, still, I think my general feeling. I mean, in a general feeling, I think a all of these things are not invalid. I don't think you're wrong. I just think that I've we, we have we have You've been through it so many times. You're sick of it. Yeah, I'm kind of like well, and I also feel kind of like I I cheated myself. Mm. Being this mad at Enterprise, I spent so much time being mad at Enterprise that we only a we only got four seasons of Enterprise, and now talking to Doug Drexler and stuff like that, where they were going to go with season five and six now that Manny Cotto was in charge. It's gonna be so great. Romulan War, Shran is a regular. Ah, Federation arcs. Mm -hmm. Those were so great under Manny Cotto. They had to get. Berman and Pillar out of there, and they had to put Manny Cotto in. When they put Manny Cotto in, they were already canceled. Yeah. We'd already burned it to the ground. And we were happy that we burned it to the ground. I wasn't. I loved Enterprise. I know, but I but I mean like I was part of the anti-Berman crew. I didn't like Berman Trek. And I had to be pulled kicking and screaming into each season, each series. I didn't like Voyager for the first two seasons. You know, like I was super critical of everything. And the point I'm kind of getting at is 
I'm trying not to be that way with the with the Kurtzman Trek because it's better to have Trek. I mean, at, at this point, I kind of wish it would go away until it's not Kurtzman anymore. I felt about Enterprise, and if you yeah. had believed me and listened to me, well, you did. I mean, the world did. They canceled Enterprise because we were so loud. They canceled it. Yeah. So the whole point is now when I watch Enterprise, it's good. I like it. And even rewatching season one and two of Next Gen, which I remember being atrocious, the episodes range from meh to ooh. Yeah, let's not talk about that one. Yeah. But there's like four, really. Technically, you mean Naked Now, Code of Honor, Justice. Those episodes probably could just go into a vault and never come out ever again. But the rest of the episodes, The Big Goodbye, uh, Elementary Dear Data, those things aren't really bad. And I remember them being horrible, but they're not really that bad. Even 1100101, that one's not so bad either. You it's, know what I mean? Like it's that? an okay episode, but the, the problem is these episodes, the, the problem with Discovery and, and, and Picard is now is that you've said they're just one long episode. And right. they're not going to be episode. They're not going to be nearly as rewatchable as old Star Trek, and and that that's, that that's going to be a big problem. That is something I've been kind of pondering as somebody who intends to have all of these things as MP4s on some iPad thing when I'm old and gray that just sits there and plays randomly episodes from random episodes of Star Trek. I have to admit. Discovery and Picard are going to be very difficult. It will go into a separate folder and only play in chronological order because it yeah. it does, they don't they don't play well they on their own. Because well. um, like what I've been doing is like I all my DS nine episodes that are three episodes I just glued them all together into one yeah. three hour long episode. The circle, the circle yeah. is just one big three long episode. Yeah, beginning um, of season two. Yeah, yeah, like it's like things like that. I just glued them all together, like the Vulcan's Forge saga out of Enterprise or the Augment saga out of Enterprise. It's yeah. just one big episode. Um, and that's the way it's got to be. But even Zindi Arc is a mess if you try to not, Watch. with the exception of like E2 and Twilight. And, you know, like there's a handful a of handful them. A handful of one-offs, yeah. One-offs. But other than that, it's all one big, huge episode for season three. Mm. And it's not a good episode. Even even with my tolerance of Enterprise, I still find season three to be just uh, heavy handed. It's yeah. all, like, did we mention 9 11? Let's mention 9 11. It's like beating you over the head for like yeah. a zillion episodes. That, I, they, could have, they could have handled that in half the season and then another arc in the other half of the season. They, they could right. have done that so much better. But yeah, uh, everything's hindsight 2020. But thanks, thanks for coming on, guy. It was fun kind of yeah. catching up. Some general Star Trek. Again, I feel like I keep dominating every time. I get well, I, I, oh, I, I'm glad I didn't have to rewatch season four of Discovery because it, it was tough, uh, and and we did a more broad topic. <laughs> like honestly, I was turned off season four in the first fifteen minutes because the talk with the butterfly people made me so angry. I was like, oh my god, this is the dumbest conversation I've ever seen in my life. Dumb. It was dumb, but I liked I liked the lampshading, so it was pretty funny. <laughs> like I I. I almost turned it off because I didn't. I didn't start watching Discovery season four until it was over. Because well, season three was so bad, I was like, "I'm gonna wait till it's over and watch it in as little time as possible." I don't want to think about it in between episodes. I don't want to be angry. And in the first fifteen minutes, I was like, "Oh my 
my God, I want to turn this off and throw my iPad at the wall. <laughs> the, the only thing I will say is the one lesson I have learned is there's objective and there's subjective. Mm-hmm. Uh, subjective opinions and objective opinions. Objectively, I think we can agree that there are some problems right now with the evolution of writing in television that is making these long arcs across, the, across the board. Yeah. Yeah, a little rough because there's they're trying to get rid of tropes and at the same time they're having a hard time dealing with it. Understandable. That's an objective opinion. Both you and I are in agreement that something feels a little weird ten episode arcs. It's a little rough to get through. Subjective is that the writing is bad. That's a subjective opinion because I actually don't feel like the writing's any worse or better than it was in general. I in, judge I judge the writing by how many times does my Alexa light up when people say computer? Almost never discovery do they ever talk to the computer. That's yes. that's my so that's my discovery is the worst written show because they never say computer. But there you go. <laughs> my Alexa over here is lighting up every time I say it. Too. Well, that's um, the thing. That's the thing. Like, I mean, I have to mute it when I watch Next Gen. Actually, Picard they've said computer a bunch because Picard's better because they talk to the computer. But. Right. Uh, but discovery, they never talked to the computer. Terrible. You have you, you have the computer rule. <laughs> the hair rule. When everybody gets hair, the beard comes in. We're good. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for so so much for coming on, guy. It was fun. I'm, I I really love being here with you. Sorry, David. I keep dominating. <laughs> that's fine. That's that's how it goes. But uh. Yeah, I mean, we can always do a Trek Wars Part 2 when Brian's gone, because we never really got into, like, specifically Alex Kurtzman over anything else. I was talking more more broad feelings of Star Trek, like, did they make, did they make yeah, you feel I anything? Kurtzman versus Berman analysis. I think that would be a fascinating analysis. Yeah, we could do maybe Kurtzman versus, yeah. Yeah. I think that'd be awesome. So. Absolutely. Cool. Well, Again, thanks. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Hope you guys have a good time. Tell tell them where they can find you, guy, real quick. You can find me pretty much everywhere at GS Davis Art. Um, I'm doing a, a Star Trek like comic now, which took my Star Trek fan comic characters and I moved them over to a, uh, a universe that I spent COVID building. So um, it allowed me to put in things like mecha. It's and built stuff. out of COVID. It's built out of COVID. Concentrated molecular COVID. Anyway, you can find me at GS Davis Art. You can also find me on Rocky Mountain Geek Tank, and that's pretty much everywhere, too. Um, we are a geek podcast that goes to all the conventions and stuff like that. And I've interviewed Terry Farrell and Rene Aubert, Chinois, stuff like that. It's kind of cool. So, there you go. All right. Well, thanks, everyone. You have a good one, and thanks again, guy. No problem. Live like a prosper, one and all. <laughs> <laughs>